you're a smaller firm, you're kind of juggling two different teams. You're playing baseball over here, but then you're taking your team and you're playing football in the next case. So it's one of the things where we've found that there's a need. And if you're really good at pre-litigation, then be good at that. Invest your time, money, and scale in that, and then let us help you on the other side so we can grow together. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And today we are so blessed to have with us James Grant. James, will you please tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, Todd, thanks for having me first off. But yeah, my name is James Grant and I'm a personal injury lawyer that helps other personal injury lawyers make more money faster and with less stress by serving as their outsourced litigation department. Awesome. And really, you know, our mission, it's simple. We litigate so you don't have to, and thereby in the process, we help each other build wildly profitable law firms together. I love it. I love it. All right. So, so you are a litigation attorney, but you've developed awesome systems and processes. Is that, is that kind of what we're talking about here? You, you're smarter than the most average oh, attorney. I wouldn't go so as far as saying that. I mean, I may have gone <laughs> to Georgia Tech and been a civil engineer, but then I went to law school for some reason. And it's not necessarily about smarts, but really about persistence. And that... I've got that in spades. Well, persistence drives to systems and processes. And when you got a persistent person who builds awesome systems and processes, it does make a difference in a lot of people's business. So, so what you're doing though is awesome. So you are an outsourced service provider for other litigation attorneys. Is there a specific type of litigation? Uh, what, what are you guys going after? Yeah. So generally there's two models for personal injury law firms. Most personal injury law firms, injury. they try gotcha. to do everything and they try to handle a case from beginning to end. And that can work. There are some big firms that do that really well. But when you're a solo, right. when you've got two or three attorneys, you're kind of in this, this battle of there's pre-litigation of the phase at the initial onset of a case, you know, you just got into a right, car accident. Right. You need to go to the doctor. We got to get the insurance claims up, get you in a new car, get you to the doctor, get you through all that treatment and the initial no ne negotiations. You know, that's the pre-litigation right. phase. And the vast majority of cases settle in that phase, but not every case does. Sure. And to go to that next phase requires a different skill set. So if you're a smaller firm, you're kind of juggling two different teams. Yeah. You're playing baseball over yeah. here, but then you're taking your team and you're playing football in the next case. So it's one of the things where we've found that there's a need. And if you're really good at pre-litigation, then be good at that. Invest your time, money, and right. scale in that. And then let us help you on the other side so we can grow together. Love it. Love it. And do you do both sides of the fields? Are you playing both soccer and baseball or football? No. So that's our okay. unique value proposition because there are other awesome. law firms around that do what we do. However, we've realized that I'm in the business of helping people. My firm wants to help others. We're going to help their clients and we're going to help the law firms grow as a community. Well, in order to right. do that, I have to compliment them. I can't compete with them. So like right. I was saying, our unique value proposition is, hey, we're just going to be the compliment. We're not going to compete. Love we're it. not going to, our commitment is we're not going to do any digital ads, any Facebook, any TV, billboards, buses, radio, none of that stuff, because I can't also be driving up your cost of acquisition, but then saying, totally. Hey, I'm going to help you out over here as well. It's th those two totally. don't jive. So that's where, you know, we're going to stand I up and it. say, Hey, we're just going to sit in the litigation spot and you're going to stay over here and we're going to grow together. And it's going to be great for everybody and the clients included. I love it. I love it. No, that's so fascinating because, you know, for those of you listening, you know, as you're trying to figure out your growth strategy, 
Yeah, a lot of people launch a business doing one thing and then they find out, to your point, James, that they are really, really good at just one of those things, not the five or the six other things that they thought they needed to do when they launched. You're providing an awesome complimentary business. And for those of you listening who are really good at one or two pieces of maybe a six-piece puzzle like you're talking about, what do they do, James? What do you suggest to them? What should they be paying attention to in this interview? Only those things that you're good at. Outsource, <laughs> offshore, figure out some way for somebody else to do those other things. Because right. to your point, if you're great at 20, 30% of the whole process, do that. Right. You know, If you're a great marketer, go market. You don't need to worry about yeah. the production side of things. If your skill set is yep. there, go do that and find somebody else to do that. You know, that's that's one of the things that we've realized in my business partner and I, Mark, and our entrepreneurial journey is you, you have to acquire the skill set of an entrepreneur and you're not great at yeah. everything. Yeah. Right. You can't do right, everything. Right, right. Now, most people that do everything aren't aren't really good at anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you dabble in everything, you're an expert in nothing. Right, right, right. So, so listen, so James, as you've been doing this with your business, I mean, this is a fascinating thing because a lot of people do feel that obligation almost that they need to be doing it all in house. I can remember the first time I outsourced, I, I, I finished the first project and I was like, holy crap, I thought I was going to need to hire a whole team to do that one thing. And I ended up just needing this company that does all these other things along with it. How does that first engagement look? Because most lawyers feel like this is this is something I got to keep personal. I got to keep it all in house because it's confidential. How, what does that conversation look like between you and attorney when you're doing those first initial meetings? Man, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, us lawyers, we are terrible at thinking that we're the best at everything and that we have to do it all. <laughs> And I mean, you can't, like we just talked about, like it's literally right. not possible. You cannot be the best marketer, the best salesman, the best production, you know, the best janitor, the best bookkeeper, like you can't do it all. And right, right. it was very, very difficult for me to accept because again, that's the model that I followed. But once you realize right. that you gain so much more by letting other people do things because those people want to do those things and they're really good at it. Right. So let right. them enjoy it. So that way you have more time to do the things that are actually going to grow and scale your business as opposed to right. getting stuck of, well, I have to fill out this budget because this department needs it and I'm the only one that can do it. Like when you start doing that, you, you know, you're not going to scale. Your business is more a hobby because totally. it revolves around you. Totally. And I got to think that in your industry specifically, you know, I like the role that you're taking here. In a lot of other industries, I see a lot of people doing the opposite of what you're doing. They prefer to be on the lead gen side, building leads and then handing or selling them off to the other people doing the fulfillment. What you're doing is incredible to me because you're actually letting all these other uh, litigation attorneys jump in, grab, capture the clients, and then you're just there on the backside. If it goes to trial, we're your guys. Is that, is that kind of what's, how it works for you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to venture to say, you know, probably 60, 65% of the cases that come through most law firms are going to settle in that pre-litigation phase. So exactly. we're only dealing with yeah. a small portion of those cases that need right. it. And it, it's just, it's easy when for us, we take the case where it is, 
we plug it into our right. system and then it just runs right. and then right they're going to get money at the end the referring firm so then they totally. get to go focus on what they're good at and then they get to go dump more money into their marketing machine which is only totally. going to have them grow faster as opposed to being stuck totally. doing litigation which can be time consuming if you don't have the right processes procedures you know everything in place to allow that to scale with you running a business honestly can leave a lot of founders and operators feeling lonely and isolated. If you have ever felt that way, trust me, I know what it feels like. And there is something you can do about it. You've heard a lot of our guests talk about the fact that being lonely and isolated is one of their biggest challenges in trying to run and scale their business. CaptainsCouncil.com. Go to CaptainsCouncil.com right now and see what we're doing to resolve this problem. We want you to be a strong operator who has solutions and has a way to get around the challenges you're currently facing. What most founders don't understand is that you're not alone. The challenges that you're facing, likely somebody else has already overcome and they can give you the feedback you need to overcome them. Who better than your peers, other founders, other operators who are joining with you in a small group setting, a global community setting, as well as at our in-person events to guide you through these challenges that you're facing right now. Don't give up, keep on pushing, but do it with some good advice from your peers. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com and let me know what you think about the offering. We can't wait to see you there. I love it. You know, we oftentimes hear that the riches are in the niches. And I think that what you've done is, is really honed in and targeted in on things, something that you guys are really, really good at. And, and tell us about your business now, because we talked about who you serve, what you do to help them. Help us understand here the, the dynamics. You know, you, you've been operating as a lawyer for a number of years now. Making this transition and doing what you're doing now by just focusing on your specialty, how has that affected your growth as a business, as a person? What has it done to your, your, your mental game? I mean... Now you don't got to worry about all the other stuff. How has this affected your business? I mean, it's literally changed everything because when yeah. we first started the business in January of 2015, we did everything yeah. and we did everything yeah. across multiple practice areas. And slowly we realized, well, you've got to niche down. We've, we've got to pick yeah. one practice area. Well, still within one practice area, there's innumerable other ways that it can go. So you have <laughs> right, to find right. that niche and find that specialty so that then you can just narrow your focus. And then that allows yeah. you to have a mission, to then have core values, to have a team, to have a passion where you're building from the ground up as opposed to being scattershot all over the place. So it's totally. it's just the, the more you narrow, at least in my opinion, the more that you can yeah. grow because you know exactly where you're going. If you're doing a little bit of everything, whether it's law, whether it's media, whether it's any number of things, you, you don't know where your focus is. But the more laser focused totally. you are, the easier it is to plan, the easier it is to forecast. There, there's so much so many benefits that you gain by having that narrow focus. And the better you become at what you do. Right. I mean, very few people are, are born a natural litigator. You can actually now focus your skills on, OK, we're noticing this trend because this is now all I'm thinking about is this litigation piece. I'm seeing these particular trends and this is how we can win more cases. And this is what we're seeing in more and more cases. I mean, 
it's got to add so much value to your ability to win these cases than it ever was before when you're worrying about all the other settlements and all the other garbage going on. Well, and to your point, data is so huge. We right. are able to compile so much and we have so many years of data. And especially with all the stuff that's happening with AI and Microsoft incorporating it into their platforms and offerings, sure. It, sure. Is, it is just phenomenal the amount of analytics and different reports and things that we're going to be able to pull just 100%. within a the next year or so where we're going to be able to say, well, this case ended up with this adjuster and this attorney and this judge with this. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to have a, a roadmap of where the case goes really before you even start because there's just love so it. much out there. I love it. Now, now most lawyers and most litigation attorneys tend to be pimped out in really fancy suits, really, you know, pinstripes and all the other stuff. You got a lightning bolt and you're in a gym in an unfinished basement. Tell us about your business. Like, wh what are you going for? Because that is not the typical lawyer look. What are you doing with that brand? You have to be real and you have to be true to yourself. The second right. you start changing for other people or for possible clients or possible customers, right. no, every, everyone, well, I can't say everyone, but a large majority of people are going to pick up on it. They're going to see that it's just, sure. it's fake. It's not genuine. And when sure. it comes to at least my business, my business is mainly B2B, business to business. Yeah. And I'm yeah. dealing in interactions with people and people only do business with those that they know, like, and trust. So, you know, this is not Amen. just like I, I throw some money at SEO or PPC and I, and I get a click and it comes in. I'm, I'm having to build relationships. So I don't want to, you know, put on the fancy suit and, you know, be all Mr. GQ because that's not necessarily me. It. Can I do that and go and show up in the courtroom? Absolutely. But that's more of a 100%. performance. That's that's not necessarily who I am day to day. And yeah, this is me. I like superheroes. I love it. I compete in amateur strongman. So I work out in my gym. I have a gym that's also it. in my office, which is here and further back. And I don't I don't want it to be this fancy, posh, mahogany walled line place because number right. one, it's where I work out. Like you don't work out in a fancy place. You work out in a <laughs> in a dungeon. You work out in a gym. And it's like it's it's right. it's where things work, but that's me. And right. at the end of the day, we can do business together and we can do great things for each other. But if if you yeah. don't like me, then then that's okay. You can go do business with somebody else. But the second you turn that off and start changing for others, that's where I think things right. go off the rails. Well, now, and, and you mentioned a couple of other things in there that I think are really, really valuable. And, and I hope that those listening picked up on this because as you were talking about um, the transition from being an everything attorney into niching down into, you know, e even what you're doing right now, these stages that you took into niching down also, you mentioned led you into establishing core values, establishing clear mission statements establishing really, I'm, I'm guessing you went into an exercise where you were defining roles and responsibilities into your, into your organization. How, how did that take place? And, and did it take a long time for you to get to that point? Or is that something you did pretty early on in the business? Oh man, I, I wish we'd done it early on because it would have made things so much easier, but no, right? I mean, we, we've only really started that within this last year of realizing that, that you have to have core values and yeah. these aren't just core values that like the owners know and no one else knows. You have to establish these are our company's core values that dictate yeah. everything. Roll it out to the entire team and make sure that the team buys in as well. Because totally. once you decide, all right, 
these are our core values for us. We've got innovation, diversity, and integrity. And if yeah, pretty much the question is, does it go back to one of those three things? If it's yeah. yes, do it. Yep. If it's not, don't do it. And that just makes it, it simple because then everybody is on the same page. They don't necessarily have to say, well, should I do this or should I not do it? Well, am I integrity totally. with myself? Am I in integrity with the company? You know, are we still innovating and going on? Do we have diversity of thought within the uh, business? So like all those things go together and it allows you to set a foundation upon which you build the business and then scale going forward. I love it. And how did you come to the realization that you needed that? Because, you know, a lot of people will go in business for 10 years without even thinking about it. You know, you're lucky you picked up on it in about the, the six or seven year mark. But what, what, why didn't you do it earlier? And who didn't tell you? And did somebody tell you? And how did this all kind of come to be? Because I think that a lot of businesses, to be honest, our listening audience are people that are generally people that have launched. They're making money. They're not really sure what to do next. How did you know that this is something you needed to do to kind of get to that next level of growth? I wish I could say that we knew. I, I really wish I could take credit, <laughs> but I, I can't. In October of 2018, we hired a business coach. It was awesome. the single greatest thing we have done on a personal, professional, and financial basis because I love it. You, you can start, pretty much anybody can start a business. I think like the numbers yeah. are there's $110 trillion in GDP across the globe last year. Wow. There's plenty wow. of money going around for people to start businesses and to be yeah. profitable. But you have to realize that each level, brings new challenges, new opportunities. The way you run a $100,000 business is not the way you run a million dollar business, is not the way you run a $10 million right. business and so on and so forth. So having mentors exactly. and people that can show you, well, you need to consider this because this is going to happen and it may work great now, but you're gonna have to tear it all down and rebuild it as you get to this next level. And right. helping, helping us understand what it looks like to have that entrepreneurial mindset and running a business that functions based on objective metrics and not subjective feelings, that's really where you start right. to get to that place where, where you, you can scale and you can grow and you can also have a plan love it. and direction from other people who have been there as well. I love it. it honestly, I was hoping you were going to say that because I think that that all too often goes above and beyond what most people think they need. They, they tend to have this feeling like, dude, I am a founder. I have done this. I am building this thing out. And yet you mentioned that you, know, you had the date specifically ingrained in your mind of the time you picked up a business coach. And this is a big deal. A coach, a community, a network, a, a group of people who understand your pains as, a, as an operator of a business. It just makes such a difference to have that person who has been down the road a little further than you to be able to say, dude, James, this is what you're going to hit coming up in about a year. And as you hit this revenue mark, you're going to be dealing with this. And by the way, did you know there's some tax strategy once you get to this point? Like there's so many things that you think about. What are some significant things that you, you feel like this coach or community has bailed you out of before you would have hit them? And now you see you would have hit them had you not had that person with you. Yeah, I mean, so the the coach that we use, it's a not just one person, but it's, it's a community of coaches and it's a community Love of it. members, but it's how to manage a small law firm and they cool. work with other law firms. And yeah. it's, it's incredible because you, 
you kind of flip the script because lawyers generally are known for making money. But most <laughs> lawyers have terrible reputations because they don't run good businesses. The money may be coming right. in, but they have no business right. skills. They have no business acumen. They don't have a business right. plan. And right. when when you you know switch things and start looking at it from the perspective of, I need to run this business, business like, you know, Amazon, like Tesla, like these giant corporations, all of a sudden it's very freeing because now you have a network of people that are like-minded right. and it's not just the, you know, the bar meetings where it. everyone's telling war stories and you're, you're really focused on making achievable, sustained growth over a certain right. period for whatever you want, because this, right. it's all about you. It's, it's about f f your business fulfilling your needs, not the other way. I love it. I love it. Now, this has been such a fun conversation because I do believe what you've just described and, and the journey that you've been on for the past eight years of business, it really is typical of, of what a lot of people go through in their, in their own launch and then growth journey of their business, whether you're a lawyer a doctor, a, a lollipop maker, doesn't even matter the business. Everyone kind of goes through the same journey that you've been on. So, so what are some of the big challenges? What are some of the surprises that hit you as you've been trying to grow and scale this business, especially the transition into more specialized? Tell us about some things that kind of surprised you. The, the biggest transition was learning how to run a business based on metrics and, and having a plan first. You know, when, when the yeah. money's good, when, when revenue's coming in and people are happy and things are functioning, like you, you think, great, you know, I, I'm a successful entrepreneur, I, I'm a businessman or right. I'm a business person or whatever. Right. But if, if you don't have metrics and you're running your business based on gut and feel, that's a really, really dangerous spot. Whereas now we're yes. to the point where, oh, if we can just look at the numbers, oh, we're going to have a cash crunch in eight and a half months. So we need to start planning right. now because we can see that based upon what the numbers are telling us and we can plan for it as opposed to, oh no, we don't have any money. What happened? And I love it. Th that was probably one of the hardest things of you go from having to run your business, which right. especially early on takes a whole lot of time to then oh, yeah. running yeah. your business. And now you have to learn how to think like an entrepreneur, how to work on your business and right. make, making that transition and that switch, like that's really tough. You know, I had to have it some is. conversations with my family of like, hey, I'm going to be working more. I'm going to be putting in more effort, but right. just understand that this is an investment in my future self and our future family because of the yeah. benefits that we're going to receive later on. So you got to kind of have to get it. some buy-in with those that are closest to you because once you make this switch, it's it's not going to be pleasant, at least for the first little bit. I love it. It it very rarely is, and it very rarely goes to plan. And and as it does start to come to fruition, though, tell us how good it feels. I mean, you've now been in this journey and niching down for over a year now. Do you feel like you're filling in? Are is it is it are things happening? Like, is it happening the way you hoped? What's going on? Has it happened the way I hope? Not necessarily, just because <laughs> like you said, as long as you're tracking, you're making adjustments all the time. Whereas if yes. you just set a course and you never look at it until six months later and you realize you're way off course or you're way on course, you you, you just don't know. So we've had to make yeah. you know adjustments here and there, but 
that's because we're tracking. Things are obviously better. You know, I, I don't work 70, 80 hours a week like I used to many years ago. Um, I'm to it. a place where we've hired several attorneys, several case managers and paralegals cool. and administrators. And we have a team now that supports us to where Mark and I can work on the functions where we yeah. see a benefit long term. I'm responsible for marketing and sales. He's responsible for operations and finance. We're not necessarily down in the trenches where we're right. handling clients and cases day to day, but we're building that firm and that process for what it's going to look like in the next three, five, 10 years. In addition to one, once you learn about business, you see opportunities. Yep. So we've got about two or three other businesses that we're working on the side as well, because when you see a need, you want to fill it. And especially if no one else is there or there's only a few, you've got a large market share. Why not? You caught the bug. You caught the bug. James, I can't wait to catch up with you in, the, in a few years because I think that what you're doing and what you've described is a journey that so many entrepreneurs face. And, and a lot of founders, they do have a hard time getting distracted with things, but you have, it sounds like you've created the organization that you need to be able to sustain that. And a lot of people don't, they just get distracted while they are the main key player in their business. I love your journey. I love your story. And I love how you've kind of gone through this process. And, and now you feel like you're a much more controlled business operator as opposed to a on-demand, I got to fix every problem in the business type guy. Is that, is that what's happened? Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to hiring. Like you, yeah. you have to put the best people in position to be successful. And it's not, it's not all about you. It's really about them. So the more you invest right. in your team and building them up and giving them the training and onboarding and everything that they need to succeed, then that's where, yep. where things really come together. You know, we learned hard lessons about you can be cheap early on, but it's really going to cost you more in the end. So, you know, don't, Love it. don't be cheap when it comes to staffing, invest in your team, invest in your people, build a culture that everybody wants to buy into. And then that's really where you get longevity. And then that scaling becomes easier. Love it. James, every, every founder and every operator has someone who's either mentored or helped or been an impact on the way they've been able to grow and build a business. So someone you want to give a shout out to today that's, that's kind of been there for you on, in your corner, helping to get to where you're at? I, I got to say the founder of how to manage a small law firm, R. John Robbins, we we've had some awesome. time out on his boat and some one-on-one -on -one time and just, just being able to spend time with someone who in my mind is just a unicorn when it comes to entrepreneurship and business coaching to help us make changes and see them instantly before we even do. I mean, that's just been wow. incredible. Love it. Love it. Thank him. And thank you. We appreciate your time today, James. I honestly, this has been so great to hear your journey, your story, and I know it's impacting people that are listening. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we wish you the best moving forward. No, thank you, Todd. I, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it really. Awesome. Okay, we'll see the rest of you on the next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for being part of the show. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. What a great guy. What a great business. I truly hope it helped you see some things in your business that you could be doing differently to grow and scale your operations. One of the things that we talked about offline after the interview is the fact that he is part of an organization and his partner is also part of a different business organization where there is a peer network of other CEOs and founders trying to build and grow their businesses in a way that is, is efficient, economical, 
dodging problems that they're likely gonna face. And this is something that I love about this particular business. They have been reaching out to business coaches, communities, and people who can give them pointers and directions so that they don't have to figure everything out on their own. If you're one of those people trying to figure out everything on your own, you have got to join a community that is gonna help you to see things that you're not seeing. I needed that community and so I built a community. This is called the Captain's Council. If you haven't heard about it already, check out captainscouncil.com. It is a place where captains of their industry jump in, they're able to participate in very intimate groups of CEOs and founders and learn what it takes, see what they're not seeing, talk to other operators who are currently operating a business, not someone who's been there, done that 10 or 15 years ago, but somebody who's actively facing the challenges that you're facing in your business. You need to have a community like this to support you, to build and grow your confidence, as well as help you avoid the pitfalls that could destroy your entire business. If you wanna do that, check out captainscouncil.com and thanks for being a part of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. We cannot wait to catch up with you on the next episode. Please leave us comments, like, share, subscribe, be a part of our community, and we hope you get out of this what we're putting into it. We'll see you then.